Welcome to another episode of Spock Sports Show. It's a look at everything sports here in the mid-Michigan area. And now, here's your host, Chris Spockman. Spock Sports Show here with Kerry Hamill and Wyatt. Look, didn't hit record the first time, so we're starting over. You guys can make fun of me throughout this podcast for it, because Wyatt, uh, you're not the, well, I guess you are. A, would you call him a broadcasting professional, Kerry? We're going to start this off a little bit different than last time. We're going we're gonna to have some fun here. We, uh, you know, he's, he's had quite a bit of experience at yes, this point. Yeah, so I'm a broadcasting professional. You're a broadcasting professional. I, I'm still trying. We, i got to hit the record. We drag Wyatt into it sometimes. He does some commentary. He runs some camera for some track and field meets uh, that we, we stream a lot, so I I would say he's a, a broadcasting novice. All right. Take all right. You'll Amen. take it? Yep. All right. And now I made you guys kind of go through all the track and field events. I'm going to do it a little bit here again. So start with the basics. Carry the track and field events that the kids take place in here in the mid-Michigan area. Go through it again. Sorry. So <laughs> one thing that we always say about track and field is there's something for everybody. No matter if you're fast or slow or big or strong, um, there's going to be an event for you. So there are 17 events in high school. There is the sprints, which are like the 100 and the 200. Then you go into the kind of the mid-distance, which is the 400 and 800. Those ones are tough because you got to have some endurance, but you got to be running fast too. And then there's your distance events, uh, 1,600 and 3,200. And then you kind of, there's relays for the first three of those. So, or first four of those for the four by one, four by two, four by four, and four by eight. So the relays are really cool because it's a super team, you know, focused event. They're, they're always a lot of fun. Um, I think, I would think if you're a track person at all, you might say that there's nothing quite like ending a meet with the four by 400 meter relay. Um, if, you know, in, in, in any of sports and, and if you want to YouTube some some fun videos, YouTube like awesome four by four finishes, and you'll you'll find some stuff to watch. Um, but then you also have hurdles, and there's two hurdling events, which is where you jump over a hurdle and uh, requires a different kind of level of athleticism. And then there's a field event, which is shot put, discus, pole vault, long jump, and high jump, and those are all very different. So so there's just you know there's there's something for everybody in track and field. And now, why you're the high jump coach? You know, well, let's have you go a little bit into that. There's the Fosbury flop. I know all about that. But when you have somebody coming out for high jump, are you looking for a great athlete or can kind of you know a taller, lankier person? I'm looking at you, or is it kind of anybody fits? It just all depends on what their strength is, or what are you looking for in a high jumper? Right. Usually, like uh, I see a tall, lanky kid, and I usually think that kid could high jump, but that doesn't always translate. You need some hops, you need some some speed too, and then that only gets you so far. There's tons of kids up my team, other teams included, who they. Got got the tall kids who maybe think they can hop but then that form you know bending your back and your arching your back bending your hips up and all that stuff that's not something that's natural so that takes some time and some training and so you can't just throw everyone into it but being tall having some athletic ability certainly gets you a leg up but then yeah. the form will take you the next step and so You're any kid can do it like we have other kids who maybe aren't as tall but they have great form and they might be jumping just as high as the tall kid so it's kind of a the perfect scenario is the tall kid with the form but yeah but a get Good basketball player yep. usually going to translate yep. somebody who's a good high jumper. My now. first, my first high jump like training thing is: can you do a right-handed layup? Because that's how it starts. All right, all so right. I, the, the, like left foot, yep. right hand, yep. the other string. Yeah. Everybody right. goes from there. We go from there, and they kind of goes. You know, that's the. That's the basics. Can you do right handed lap? All right, we can we can get you down the road. But. Yep. And when I didn't hit record when we started this earlier, I was asking you guys about the javelin. You talked a little bit about that. Talk about your youngster from Shepherd. I guess kind of a cool example. Yeah. So we we're saying how oh, there isn't javelin in Michigan high school athletics, but there is in college. And so we had a girl who Katie Sandal ran at Saginaw Valley, and I think they're always looking for people to throw javelin because they don't just naturally get you know, high school javelin kids, and she was pretty strong and pretty quick, and so they threw her in there. I think she did all right. She scored at Gleex, I think. 
in uh, their conference meet. And so other states have it. Michigan doesn't. Safety thing. I don't know. I guess well, it, 17 it is events. A, that's a, we've got quite a range. So Yeah, but it's a big, sharp object right. to throw it. I mean, and now as far as the hardest event goes, I always just think of the pole vault because the couple times that I tried it messing around when I lived right behind the school at Shepherd, it didn't work out so well for <laughs> me. What do you guys think is, is the hardest event? Why? We'll start with you. I think pole vault is probably the most technical and maybe the toughest to learn. Like it takes, like you can't just go pole vault. I can go long jump. I can go jump in the sand, you know, yep. right? But I can't just go pole vault. I'm going to hurt myself or not get off the ground. <laughs> so I do think that's probably the most technical as far as difficulty. Like I would say, so I ran like the 400 and the 800 in high school. Those are tough. Because you're, it's somewhere in between the sprinting and running for a long, a long time, and so you're, you're toast after a good 400 or after an 800. Yeah, what about you, Kerry? I think the biggest debate that you kind of always hear people saying is, is either between the 300 hurdles and then the 400 or the 800. Um, and obviously, if you're 800 on you, might say the 800 is tougher. And if you're a 300 hurdler, you might say the 300 hurdles are tough. Both are pretty tough. And obviously, the 400 is right in the middle. And that one is basically you're sprinting for 400 meters, and so you're going to be gassed by the time you get done. Um, I, you know, as a kind of a someone who coaches a lot of 800 runners, I might lean towards that being a pretty tough event. Um, I do think the 300 hurdles maybe has a little bit of a stake, um, especially because it can be a tough event in high school. And then when those kids get to college, it changes from the 300 hurdles to the 400 hurdles. And so I, I might say that the 400 hurdles probably is one of the toughest events because you have to have all that difficulty of running 400 meters, but you're also hurdling. Yeah, when it comes to that 800, that's that fine line in between the sprint and the distance run. Like I said, the 400, you need to have enough gas just to go as hard as you can around the track once, but the 800's where there's that divide between the mental preparation, the pacing yourself, and the sprinting as well. I just The 800's up there with me, but for some reason, I always think that everybody always thinks the pole vault's a little scary. Too, I think that's got oh, a little something. Sure. Yeah, built we into hear a kid. Uh, we had a kid this year who said, uh, "Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of fearless." Or I go, "You should pull vault." <laughs> right. And they do. Yeah. And now you guys have some huge events in Shepherd that are these big meets are turned into big events. I've seen you guys have food trucks out there. You got the music going. It's a great atmosphere. It's a great feel. I want to try and get more people to go out to track and field events other than mom and dad. So if somebody came to a big meet in Shepherd, how would that day go? Say, you know, this track meet starting at noon on a Saturday. You got 20, 30 teams there. If somebody comes out at noon, what are they going to see? What's going to take place? How's it going to go? I'm putting you guys on the spot here maybe a little bit. Well, so I think, you know, one thing, you do have to go in with at least a little bit of understanding that you're going to be there for a little while. It's not a basketball game where there's four you know, 12 minute quarters and it's going to be done. Um, you know, there's going to be some events, different events have different lengths though. So, you know, a, a conference final meet or a dual meet, that might be something that's going to be pretty quick. Generally our invites are ones where you have some kind of some extra events and you're doing some, some kind of fun stuff. So that might be a long, little bit of a longer day. So our event that we had uh, a couple weeks ago, the Blue Jay invite, it was starting around three 30. Um, the kind of the main, the main meat part of the meet started around five and got done around 10 30, 11. Right. Um, but you're going to see really, really good competition across the board, which that's pretty cool. And so obviously, if you have a rooting interest, then there's going to be, you know, if you're a Shepherd fan, you can go there and you can watch Shepherd kids running in almost every heat. That's going to be exciting. You know, another trick that you can do if you don't really have a huge rooting interest, but you just kind of want to be there and learn about the sport. Wyatt and I just went to the Big Ten Championship meet last weekend. And, uh, you know, we were watching a couple, like one former athlete. So we only had one or two races where we were really super focused in on, but we just started guessing times. We were picking, predict picking, the pick, winning time. Of predict the event. winning times. <laughs> and then we keep track. Keep oh, a tally. Up and, 10 to 9. Or, you know, oh, I won the 200. All right. So all right. Yeah. It keeps you 
rooting for a random person you might not know, but you you're rooting for your time, or you know, or you pick the winner or something like that. And know? one thing I think is cool about those events that you guys have, and something that's really cool about track and field, how individual you know it's a team thing, but it's also a very individual thing. And so you can have somebody win the Blue Jay invite at the 100 meter sprint, you know, as the 100 meter sprinter, and you're going to have heats and everything, and then you're going to come down to the final race. And so very similar feel to what the Olympics do, except it's kind of all packed into just one, you know, four or five hour stretch. Absolutely. And like this, like a good and bad thing about track and field is that there is a team component and that's amazing. And I think as coaches, when we coach team stuff, you're going for a conference title, you're going for a regional title or eventually hopefully a, st- a state title, you know, that's like the ultimate ultimate and that's amazing. Um, but there's going to be years where maybe your, your team isn't, isn't quite as strong or whatever, but we've had a lot of years where we've gone to the state finals. And even though we didn't win a team, team championship, we could go out of their place with our heads held high. Cause we had a great day. You know, we maybe won an event or two. We had a lot of personal bests or things like that, or maybe you break a school record or things like that. So I think that's one of the unique things about it because a lot of, you know, sometimes ball sports people will say, oh, there's not, you know, track isn't a team sport. Well, it, it can be and it is. Um, but the individual component of it is, is just like you said, it's very interesting too. And, and kind of there's all those different things that you get to watch, which I think really should draw some people in because you're going to get to see some stuff. And when you come to a meet like ours, or if you go to some bigger meets, you might be seeing some of the top people in the state competing. We had the best um, boy hurdler and 100 meter, like one of the best 100 meter dash runners that are meet from Saugatuck came up here and ran super fast and uh, you're not you know you're not get a chance to see like that kids like that everywhere you go yeah but now I asked you guys about the hardest event now I've got to ask you guys his favorite event now why I'm gonna imagine it's the high jump with you because that's your thing actually no he's giving me that I don't know but what, what's your favorite event so I coach hurdles too all right that's been fun um he was talking about how tough the 300 hurdles are I think watching good 300 hurdlers is like is very fun I do think I'll pick high jump currently right. but 300 hurdles and the 110 are pushing it it's, it's, it's pushing right yeah. along there but I like all I like both of those and uh I'll say high jump because uh that's kind of where I've started coaching and I I've had a lot of success with kids and currently have some good kids, so that's fun. But. All right, now, Carrie, you were a sprinter ba- back in our day, I'll say. Back now, in the is, day, yeah. Is, uh, do you have a favorite event? What's number one for you? You're going to make me pick one? If you got two, or, we'll, should we give him two or three, Wyatt? He can give a runner-up like I did. All right, all okay, right. Okay, yeah. runner-up. Okay, so I, I really do like the sprints um, and, and uh, as a sprinter, so I think, you know, Watching a good 100-meter dash is pretty awesome. It's kind of the marquee event, um, you know, when they you know go to the Olympics and it's the fastest man in the world. Uh, so you can't quite, you know, I don't think anything can really top that. Um, and then I would say the 800 is probably one of my favorite events to coach. Uh, we've had a lot of really good successful 800 runners. Um, I think it's an event that we, we coach pretty well. Um, so I think it's, it's kind of fun, and that's a really fun event. And then I, I would say just, you know, not as like a, a first or a second because, but I think like any of the relays, when you get a good relay, it's just, it's just awesome. And like I said, with the four by four finishing a meet is awesome. But if you get a four by one where the handoffs are so important and you guys just stick the handoffs, that's super fun to watch too. All right. That's, that was the other thing I was going to ask when it comes to like the, the Super Bowl of the track meet or whatever, is it the 100 meter dash or is it the relays? What, what do you think is the one that most, what's the one that brings all the kids back to the stands to watch? It's the four by 400 at the end. Yeah. All right. You'll see a crowd of kids running back. Back and forth, they go to the backstretch here on their kid. They're they're team. rooting them on. They come to the other side and they go to the other side. And our coaches are essentially doing the same thing. But yeah. it's and it's also like a it's for us anyway. Our four by fours tend to have a couple sprinters on the team, maybe a couple distance kids, and they kind of melt together. Like it's really like a team. It's showing the strength of your whole team because like right now ours has two sprinters on it and two distance girls, and so bringing them together to find that best match is pretty cool. Yeah, but now to talk a little bit about that Shepherd Boys and Girls track team, I just got kind of open up the floor to you, just kind of open up the floodgates. Give me a few of the names, some of the studs you guys have on the team this year, some of the standouts, yada, yada, yada. Just, just go. So, <laughs> I'll, go I'll start with the boys. I'll let Carrie 
necessary to talk about the girls. He's the girls' head coach. But boys, we and have shout a, out to Coach Cahoon. Shout out to who Coach is, Cahoon. Yeah. Who, so we have a really good sprinter boy, Isaiah Real. He's a junior uh, running back football, in the football player. team. Yep. yep. Um, Isaiah really committed this winter. I don't think he missed a day. If he did, he made it up. You know, he got his stuff done. He's really improved. He's ran twenty-two-seven in the two hundred, ranked uh, somewhere in the top five, I think, in the region. Um, he's ran eleven three six, eleven three seven. Um, if not for some maybe hand time hundreds from this guy over here, he'd be in the top five in the school right. history. Um, on our sprint relays, he split fifty-two in the four hundred. Uh, great kid, working really hard. Um, we also have Nico Lopez, a very good pole vaulter. Is um, he the fearless kid? Or is this he a, is fearless, he's, but he's, yeah, he's, he's, right. he wasn't. Yeah. Right. Was the example, but he's yeah. fearless. Yeah. Um, Mason Cross, senior distance runner, big part of our program. The, um, the kid would bend over backwards for any any of us, and uh, he's really having a good end of his season. He's kind of coming on the right time. Um, Carrie, who am I missing? So Camden Winters is yeah. having a really good season, throwing disc and shot. Um, and then I think we have a pretty good sprint core, um, and so we're hoping some of the relays here in the next couple of weeks can can run really well. All right, now sliding over to the girls' side of things, Carrie, who, who are the few of the names you want to get out there? Uh, so we've had a lot of girls that work really hard. Our distance crew kind of always, you know, is working really hard. Um, Jolie Fisher had a really good winter and has really improved and run some fast times. Ariel Warner um, has kind of always been a little bit dinged up and kind of trying to figure out what the best events are for her, and she's kind of really settled in this year and has been kind of healthy and looks very strong. She just ran a 219 uh, to win the 800 at that Davis meet we went to against some really good competition, and so I think she's she's so running she, really she well right now. She won the 800 down in Davison yeah. with 30-plus yep. schools, a lot of D1 schools. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very exciting. Probably one of the highlights of the day for she's us. ranked third in D2 right now in the oh, 800. Wow. Nice. And we're D2 now. You guys are, I was talking with Coach Loonsfoot about this, you guys are D2 by three, two, three kids? Something like that. Yeah, they're probably D2 by a little more than we are. I think okay. we're pretty close. Um, they, they're they fairly close, but soft, this is our first year being D2. I think they've been D2 before. So. Yeah, all right. But, I, you know, the girl, other girls, we have Miley Redis, who's done a really great job um, in the sprint. She's a sophomore. We have a really young sprint core. Um, we have some so, uh, some other freshmen that are really doing well. They're kind of led by Ellie Sickles, who's a junior, one of our hurdlers and long jumper and a great sprinter. Basketball player, too. Basketball player as well, just very all-around athlete. And then uh, we have Kendall Wilcox who is our, our kind of our big high jumper. Um, she's got 5'2 this year. Um, she pretty much wins most of the high jump competition she's in, um, and we're looking forward to kind of seeing what she can do at the end of the year here. And one, more, one more. I'll shout out Ariel's little sister, Gracie Warner. Freshman, broke the school record in the pole vault, tied the school record in pole vault her first high school meet. It's pretty cool. <laughs> That's pretty neat. And she's since broke it, so it was, right. it was a three-way tie, so she knocked the... And the, when you got a freshman pole vaulter, I, I imagine that, I don't want to say, you know, building expectations, but you probably don't have a whole lot of freshmen that maybe even can do it with the upper body strength it requires something she continues to do this for three four years she might be very successful right and her grant so her grandpa is our pole vault coach which is very nice to have shout out to jim um but he has definitely been you know instrumental in bringing her along and they went to a bunch of pole vault camps and stuff this winter and she's pretty committed to it so all right and then uh, kelly ryan too is one of our is our, our top thrower um and she was uh she's doing a great job with shot put and uh she's also the maple syrup festival queen so awesome. having a good spring um and i think you know just on both sides boys and girls you know we just said a lot of names but there's a lot of names we didn't say and you know everyone really contributes to a great team atmosphere and i think that is one of the cool things and i know every sport you know has a great team atmosphere but i think you know track just because everyone is doing so many different things but then can kind of come together to support each other. I think when you have a good team, it's really fun. Well, and I'll shout out you two and Coach Cahoon. You guys have built a, a family, a dynasty there in Shepherd as far as it comes to cross country and track and field. And even if you guys aren't taking first place in the state because you're D2, you're sending kids off to college. And you guys would be the ones saying that's so much more important than winning those championships. And some of the other area schools, when I looked at the rankings, I saw the St. Louis girls were number one on D3, Sacred Heart 7, Coleman 10. Got to kind of talk about that. Maybe some of the individuals who are standouts in the area that you guys 
guys know about there, just to get some na- more names out there for these kids because they deserve it. Well, I know, um, you know, like you said, those, those, all those teams are, are ranked really high. There's a lot of, you know, really strong teams. Um, Lanny Bloom from Ithaca is going to probably have a really great state meet. She's you guys have been talking about her for a couple yeah. years now. Yeah. And then um, Mallory Pinoir from Mount Pleasant has... If you go on athletic.net, is this website that has all the results for everybody in the state for like their entire career. It's like the ESPN for track. Yeah. Yep. So if you go there and you look up Mallory, um, you'll see she's just improved a ton and she's been running some really fast times. I think she broke the 800, 1600, and 3200 Mount Pleasant High School records like all within a week. All in the same week. Um, and so I think she's been pretty impressive. Um, St. Louis has Libby Munderlow who just broke their school record in the 300 hurdles. Future Chippewa. Yep. And she's going to be going to CMU in the future. Uh, Nicole Olivier. Olivier. Um, is also a future Chippewa from Sacred Heart, and she she's been running really well. And there's got to be some guys. Are pretty One good more too. girl going to see me, I think. Yeah, and Sarah, Sarah Story. Story from Chip Hills. Uh, right. Guys, yeah, let's see. And like I said, if you don't got any names out there, that's all right. But it's just one of those things that I know you guys know some of the. Oh, why it's like I got what. Uh, Parks Allen from Ithaca and Espen Lentz from Ithaca, both distance boys are doing really well. Um, the St. Louis distance boys coming off a cross-country state title two in a row. They're, they're also good in track, surprisingly. And that might be one of the reasons why their boys team is one of the ones yep. that's ranked in. Yeah, they got a good sprinter, too, Iggy Jackson. All right. And uh, Landon Mars from Mount Pleasant just broke their school record yep. in the 1600 as well. So I think there's a lot of kids doing doing really great things in the area. And like I said, that's why you guys just able to get so many names out there from so many other schools. I appreciate that because these kids deserve the love. Oh, you got another one. And if you, well, if you want to have a chance to see a lot of these kids, I, I think we're going to have the, uh, the the mid-Michigan meet a chance is kind of, is a uh, I guess you'd call it a, alumni of the what used to be the Morning Sun meet of champs. Um, but the mid-Michigan meet of champ is going to take place at Shepard on Tuesday, May 31st at Shepard. And uh, so, so you're going to get a chance to see a lot of those kids kind of getting a tune-up race before the state meet. And so a lot of those local teams are coming. One more who I think would be there, but maybe, I don't know if he's in the area, Carson City kid, Zane Forrest, thrower. Zane's the best discus thrower in the country, I yeah, believe. Yeah, he's heading to Oregon, I believe it is, on a track and field scholarship. U of M. U of M now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. Good for hey, good for him. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So he's throwing like so we'll have a good in my mind if a kid throws over a hundred that's solid in discus, he's throwing two hundred. Well he, he I remember <laughs> seeing the results from last year. He won the shot put and the discus by just enormous yes. amounts. I believe they sent like eight or nine kids down there and won the state championship he's, uh, last year. Yeah. He's, he's a man. Yeah. And now multi sport athletes. This is something that we have talked about a ton because I think track translates to all other sports no matter what it is. First of all, whether you're running a distance or whether you're doing sprinting, sprinting, you're getting out of the blocks. You talked about Isaiah Real. It's going to be really important for him as a running back being able to get out of the blocks and all athletes could use some distance running. So kind of talk a little bit about that, guys. So definitely we we feel like, you know, I think track is a, is a great kind of training for everything else. Obviously, if you're a baseball player, a softball player, you're going to do those sports in the spring. And, you know, maybe if you're super athletic and really love both sports, maybe you do both in the same season. That's always a complication just because it's a little hard scheduling wise, but it is possible um, depending on, you know, how your school feels on, you know, dual sport athletes like in the same season. But I think if you're not doing another spring sport, I think track is one where it's just, it's going to make you better at other sports. If you're a volleyball player, you're going to get better at jumping and you're going to get a little bit faster and quicker. If you're a basketball player, you can get better at sprinting. You can get better at more endurance. It's going to be a benefit there. If you're a football player, I think, you know, it goes hand in hand. If you look at the stats, um, like 70% of the kids that were drafted um, in the first round, like they did track in high school. And if you talk to any of the basically backs and receivers in the NFL, they, when people ask them, hey, what, what can you do to, you know, what should we do as a high schooler to get to get better for football? They almost always say first, run track. Um, and I know it's hard 
sometimes because you want to think they got to be in the weight room. They got to do all these things. But our kids are lifting. Um, they're training. They're getting faster. Um, and we're really excited. We got a, a new coach coming here in the, in the next year, Coach Irv Sigler. And uh, he's really supportive of the track program. And we're kind of trying to align some of our kind of conditioning programs so that we're doing similar things so that it's, uh, you know, track season is really going to help those kids. And then what they're doing in the summer and in the fall for football is really going to be helping us for track and, and every other sport as well, too. Yeah, even a defensive lineman, if they're sprinting, that is something that could really help them an absolute ton, just being able to get out of the blocks. Gary, you're not afraid to say that. You and I, we're not the most athletic guys that there are, but one of the reasons why you were, were you an all-state sprinter in high school? If not, you were close. Not all-state, but I I was pretty fast back in the day. We, we don't actually know. Uh, we, we qualified for the 4 by one um, but back, back then, only the top eight teams got in the results. All right. And we know we were probably very close to being eighth, so we don't actually know the time we ran. Um, so in my mind, we broke the school record by a lot, but, you know, we, we just don't know for sure. But, yeah, I mean... You it, were good because you got out of the blocks. Yep. And, you know, and I think one thing that I think a lot of people do kind of have a misconception about is sprinting is that you can't improve sprinting. That sprinting is a talent and that you're just born with it. But And obviously, there are people that are more talented less talented but sprinting is something that you can improve if you do it if you do it and you lift for it and you train for it you're going to get better at it if you look at like Wyatt mentioned Isaiah and I talked about Miley um, they both have really committed to sprinting like in the off season and Miley went from 13.6 in the 100 down to 13.02 in the 100 Isaiah went from 23.7 I think 23.8 in the 200 down to 22.71 like a one second uh, drop in the 200 is a lot and that's just from from working really hard and doing it so I think you know I think, you know, you don't have to be talented to try to get better at sprinting. I think that's a skill that can be learned. Yeah, and why did multi-sport athlete? Oh, you got one thing to add there. What's up? A couple things. Like, one thing with track that's nice to see is there's always results to be seen. Like, you're going to run several races, so you're going to see the improvement. Like, we know Miley and Isaiah got faster because we can see it. Like, there's... and. No matter if you're our fastest kid or our slowest kid, there's a re- there's a chance to improve, and you can see that. Maybe in basketball, you might not play, so you don't know. Like you, that's you a really good point, right there. You might have improved a ton, and you, and maybe your coach is telling you because you've improved a ton, and you're a great practice player now. But it's not as visible to you or to you yep. know the fans or parents or anything like that. Well, I'll take it back to I only ran track in middle school, and I was not the fastest kid. But every track meet, I got to get out there and I got to run. It was right. usually me, me see and Mike do better running against each other. You have to see if you can do better. And how does a track field playoffs work because I think it's a lot more different than baseball. I'm going to go to baseball districts. It's going to be Beal City versus Coleman, Sacred Heart versus Marion. The winner of those two games play each other and the winner of the district one team is going to come out. It's not quite like that with track field. Tell everybody how that works. So there's a couple different ways. So the, the main MHSA ways is you go to regionals and at regional there's going to be crowned a team state champion or a team regional champion. There's like 10 regions. There's 10 regions. regions. Right. So yep. 15 to 18 teams in a region. Yep. And so if you're the regional team champion you get a trophy. You're moving on. That's awesome. There's not really any explicit advancement from All being right. a regional champion. That's just kind of, you got a trophy. Um, In each event, you qualify by either finishing in the top two of each event at regionals, or there are uh, qualifying times or marks. So if you, you might finish third, but you ran really fast, and if you ran under the qualifying time, then you would also get to go to the state meet. A good comparison is individual wrestling. It's like if they scored in the individual wrestling regionals as a team, that's the regional champ. And then whoever moves on to individual wrestling finals that's our state finals all right gotcha gotcha but then also i assume where carrie's going is there's another little component yeah well i was gonna finish up the mhsa part Mm -hmm. first so those kids all go to the the kids that qualify go to the mhsa meet and then that scored the same way as regional was so 
it goes 10, 8, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 for the top eight places. Right. So if you win, you get 10 points. Um, so if you have a handful of kids that qualify for the state meet, you might go down there, and if they you have a lot of them place, you might have, you might score a lot of points there. Generally, the champion of that meet is going to be a team that has maybe a handful of really good kids, but maybe not a ton of kids, but they might have you know six or seven it, kids. Ithaca boys won Carson City. La- yep. Last year with uh, Forrest down there, he probably won the discus and the shot put, so that yep. shot him up to 20, 20 points. Yep. Ithaca boys, I think, had like a distance runner and a th- two throwers, and they won. All and right. So that's kind of the difference. Regionals, generally, your regional scores are going to be one with like somewhere between 90 and 120 points. Um, your state meet scores are generally going to be more between like 40 to like 60. Um, and so, you know, that, you know, it's still a unique thing. And if you have, you know, the athletes to do it, it's awesome. Um, and then, so the coaches association, we also sponsor a kind of a team state meet, which, so that's where if you are a regional champion, you do qualify for the team state meet. Then we also run like a power ranking, which were the rankings that you were looking at. Um, and those rankings are kind of based on the concept of being a team state meet, which that's where everyone scores. So say if you had 10 teams in the team state meet, then they're in each team gets three entries into every event. So then in the hundred meter dash, there'd be 30 kids. All right. If I win the hundred meter dash, I'm going to get 30 points. If I get last, I get one point. So it's down by one point every every spot. So every spot counts, which is easy sell to kids. Like hey, <laughs> yeah, 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 we need even your if point. you're 30th. Yep. We'll get 29. So these are is truly teams where you need to have really depth and have three, you know, three solid kids in every event. And you're not going to be maybe super strong in every single event, but you can't have huge gapping weak areas. You can't be bad at high jump, long jump hurdles in the hundred. Like you, you got to be pretty strong across the board. And so with the way the MHSA final works, which you're telling me, and, and I, we love the MHSA. This is nothing against that, but it could end up a little skewed if you have those really top standout athletes like the Forest Kid from Carson City Crystal. You and the coaches have come together, and you kind of have what could be considered more of just an overall team state championship meet. Does that make sense? Yep, exactly. And like so the those main... meets are coming up on Memorial Day weekend, and uh, they definitely are, are, are pretty fun meets to go to, too. One of the main, like, I don't know if it's a, ex- explicitly the reason, but like, so Tyrone Wheatley won the state f- finals by himself. He won four <laughs> events. Also, that's really awesome. That yeah, yeah great, great for him, but it's one of those, if you're, you know, a team but that if you finished goes... two points behind him, you're kind of scratching right. your head and well, saying, great. Right. You, you, or you take Dearborn Heights Robichaud, I believe, is where he went to a dual meet against Shepard. We might beat him because he might be the only kid who's, you know, yep. legit kid on his team. I don't know how that works, but you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really show how good your team is. Yep. And so that, and that's why the coaches yep. association's gotten together yep. to have that meet. I think that's a great And there's meet. a little bit of, you know, traction in it. You know, there's some, you know, we're kind of are always pushing for maybe the MHSA to adopt something similar to this. So there's kind of some hope in the future, but we'll kind of see where it goes. All right. And now you guys have been at this for a while now. You guys are getting lots of kids into college. Do, do you guys have a number of the girls and boys you've helped get into college, cross country? Country, track and field. And Wyatt actually says, hang on a second, I'm going to look that up. And so while he's looking that up, I'm going to continue this with you, Carrie. Advice for young coaches out there that are just starting out track and field, cross country, trying to build a program like you guys have. What advice do you got for them? You know, I would say just, you know, get kids involved and try to make it fun. I think you know, you can, you know, I think every young coach goes through a phase where they're super technical and they want to learn the best ways to do training and things like that. And that's all very important. But if you can make it fun for the kids, then you're going to get more kids. And the more kids you have, the better you're going to be. Um, and so I, I think just, you know, we do a lot of cool things at Shepherd that I think help us get kids out. Um, but then I think it also makes it a really memorable experience for those kids. When we do cross country, we have a cross country camp, which is a week long and it's super awesome um, in track. And I think we're one of the very few teams that do this. Um, but we actually take a spring break trip. Um, and, you know, you know, Chris probably remembers Shepherd baseball used 
to go to, go to Florida for spring pies. break. Selling the apple pies. Well, we kind of said, well, why don't we do something? We don't sell any pies, but we take the kids down. We went to Myrtle Beach for a long time. Um, now that we're getting back to this trip after COVID, this year we actually went down to Gulf Shores, Alabama. The kids just had a you know a week long um, training trip in in Alabama and just had a blast. And we're staying right on the ocean, um, hanging out on the beach, uh, doing a ton of fun stuff. There's a track we can train at there. And so I think finding ways to to have to have make it be fun, I think, is really important. Yeah, and I'll I'll give you guys credit. You know, you come into Shepherd, you're gonna see a group of kids running. You're gonna see somebody maybe running sometimes, sometimes maybe on a bike with them, and that's you guys. You guys are there. I think that's just one of the big things too. You guys being there for your kids, they know they can trust you. They know they can believe in you, and so they believe in the program too. And why do you got that number exactly? I do. Before the number, I'll say two other things for young coaches. One thing we I think do good is we provide a ton of opportunities for kids. Like all summer, all winter, you can come run with us. And so giving a kid an option to have that there. I know a lot of other programs they don't have that, and those programs aren't traditionally as good. So just giving them options. And the other thing is, if you're a young coach, go to the coaching clinics. It's awesome. You don't even have to go to the actual sessions. You can just hang out with. I I can sit next to the Milford coach or the Celine coach, two of the best programs in the state, and they'll tell me everything you want to listen. You know, you can sit there for hours and learn all sorts of stuff. And it's all awesome. of you guys that are coaching at the high school level, I don't want to say you don't care if somebody beats you by taking your advice, but it's you just all want success for the right. kids. And that's why that Milford coach isn't afraid to tell you a tip or anything like that because right. they want to see the kids succeed. Right. And I will straight up say like, oh, I'm I'm stealing that, and he'll say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> as far as those kids succeeding, right? Yep. I'm, so I'm, number of kids we've sent to college since Cahoon started in like 2002 ish, 43, 43 kids that yep. have gotten college scholarships. And yep. as somebody who's got a lot of student loan debt, I will say that is a big big deal. Any money that kids can get, they should take it. Now he gave me advice for coaches. I kind of want to close this out. Do you have any? Oh, why? Or Carrie's got one more thing. One Sorry. more thing, just kind of about the college stuff. And, and one thing too, though, it is, you know, I would say it's 43. It's not necessarily all scholarship. Um, some kids are just going as walk-ons and things like that. And I think, you know, my advice for coaches that are kind of dealing with, you know, college kids that are, or kids that are, you know, you know, kind of the level of going to college. I think, I think sometimes coaches or athletes think like, oh, college is going to contact me or they're going to recruit me. Um, and, and even if you're the best kid, that's not really how it works in track and field. Like you've got to communicate with them. Um, you've got to fill out the questionnaire forms on the, uh, the college websites. You got to send the coaches emails. You're maybe not always going to get replies right away, but just getting your name on that college coach's mind, you know, early kind of when you're a junior maybe, and then they see, hey, they're looking at results or they had to meet, they see you do something and that maybe piques their interest. Um, and then really trying to find a fit for the right college, you know, where that goes for them. Um, and But then also like, don't be turned off by if you get an offer of some money, but it's not like a full ride. Like full rides do not exist in track and field um, for the most part. Um, a college men's track and field team has 12 and a half scholarships. Um, remember how we talked about there was 17 of Yep. Um, so that's not everybody's doing. Obviously, there's there's going to be 40 to 45, 50 kids on a college men's track team, and they're obviously not all going to be on full rides. Some of them are going to get partials. Some of them are going to be on quite a bit, and some of them are going to be walk-ons. Um, and then women's, they only get 18 scholarships. So it's kind of, there's a few more scholarships there, but it's just, you know, don't get turned off if a coach says, you know, we can only give you 20%. That doesn't mean they're not interested. That's just what they have. Um, but even if you're not going to get money, I think, you know, the kids that we have had that go, whether they got money or not, uh, they've had really good experiences, even if maybe their running didn't go amazingly awesome. Um, I think just, you know, being on that team, getting that, you know, you know that, that attention that they have from a coach caring about them when they're at college, you know, tutoring is available. There's so many built-in, like, bonus things you don't even think of, like the tutoring. tutoring. Or, like, yep. You have built-in friends who are probably good people because they're also on a track team, and you have easy access to, like, support from your coaches or, you know, academic advisors and stuff like and that. And they get tons of swag, so it's, yeah. it's definitely pretty cool. <laughs> Every year, they call it Christmas. 
Christmas. Like a yep. girl at U of M or Grand Valley, they send us the picture of the All 40 All the stuff that they, they get. get. That's pretty yeah. darn yeah. cool. And now last thing I want to ask you about, something I was talking about. How does a kid know? Kids seventh grade, eighth grade, do they know whether they want to be a sprinter or a distance runner? When you get to the high school level, does that matter to you guys at all? Do you just want to see a kid run and then you decide? For, how does that go? I think middle school is the time that they kind of start to figure that out, especially in our program. They kind of give them a lot of opportunities to try stuff, which middle school is the time to try stuff. Yep. And so by the time maybe they get to us, we kind of have an idea, especially if they're one of the you know better kids or even in general. We'll go, yeah, he's been a distance runner. And so we kind of go there. that yep. process. But there's been kids who kind of changes or depending on how they're growing and stuff. Yeah, I think it's change. collaborative between, you know, the coach, the kid and, you know, what the kid wants to do and maybe what the kid's good at. Um, and it can, it can totally change. But I mean, I think generally you can narrow it down in the middle school. But we were just at the Big Ten meet, like we said. And one of the girls that finished really well in the 800, she was like a high jumper last year. And, and, uh, and she our, ran like the like 200 400 in high school. And I think they kind of saw her 400 success and she was a jumper too. And they said, hey, let's see what happens in an 800. And I think it probably went pretty well. So she so, scored in the 800. So just like with the college stuff, be open to everything. Yep, exactly. Right. <laughs> All right, Kerry, why well, thank you guys so much for joining me on Spock Sports Show, man. I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to Spock Sports Show with Chris Bachman. The views and opinions heard on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those views, opinions of Latitude Media, our sponsors, affiliates, and My1043 or Buck92 Radio. Check out our website for even more podcasts from around the area. Just go to MyMichiganPodcast.com. It's podcasting that matters.